that was the first time where we were like, this thing might work. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast, presented by Hippo Direct. This is your destination to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator out there who's unleashing creativity every single week. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, digital marketing dude at Hippo Direct, and this is episode 15, and boy, do we have a Halloween treat for you. Today's guest is an absolute icon in the content marketing space. He's even known as the godfather of content marketing. It's Joe Polizzi, Cleveland's own. I first saw him speak back in 2012 at the Q where the Cavs play, and it was the first time I heard about content marketing, and I've been absolutely obsessed with it ever since. Joe is the founder of the world's top resource for content marketing, the creator of the world's biggest content marketing event, the author of several books, the founder of a foundation to help out kids with speech disorders, and even more. In this episode, you'll hear about all that, about his journey rallying the city and rallying the marketing world to get behind what he and so many others now believe so strongly in. You'll hear about the importance of a color in branding, whether it be a company or your personal brand. Hint, hint, Joe loves orange, and it's not just for Halloween. And you'll hear why every company should think like a media company in this day and age, why anybody can do it. It's an out-of-this-world show that might as well have been recorded on Mars. So enjoy the Joe. Alrighty, we are here with an incredible episode here. I am, uh, it's very surreal talking to this guest today. Some call him the godfather of content marketing. I like to call him the most successful Browns fan of all time. So Joe Polizzi here. <laughs> Joe Polizzi here. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great, Max. Thanks for having me, my friend. <laughs> of course, of course. And hopefully by the time we post this episode, the Browns will have more than two wins. But, you know, a kid can dream, right? Oh, hey, I'd, I'd take, I might take more than two wins the entire year. You know, if they, if they were three and four wins, that's, what, that's infinity better than last year. Right, yeah. And we'll we, take it. I think any coach, especially Hugh Jackson, would take an infinity year-over-year improvement. So, <laughs> But anyway, Joe Polizzi, he is literally the godfather of content marketing. He is the founder of Content Marketing Institute and Content Marketing World, the world's biggest content marketing conference, hosted in Cleveland every single year. Also the founder's foundation, The Orange Effect, and there's many more things that we can do, but Joe I'll tee it up to you here. Would you mind going a little bit into how you got started professionally, how you got started with Content Marketing Institute, and what you're up to today? Because I know it's a little bit different. A little, yeah, a little bit different. I'm, we'll start with right now. I mean, I've been on a sabbatical for the last year. You and I were talking before the show. I, <laughs> I haven't been doing many podcasts, so this is, uh, you know, I've got to shake off the rust a little bit. But I, <laughs> I started in publishing in the year 2000 at a company called Penton Media a large business-to-business publisher media company, do a lot of magazines and industries that you probably never heard of, and learned the art of, at that time, it was called custom publishing, where instead of doing advertising, we would work with companies like Microsoft and Parker Hannafin, big B2B companies, and help them distribute 
direct content to their audience and try to build an audience so that would look like magazines and webinar programs and then into social media and podcasts and e-newsletters, things like that. So instead of trying to distract with advertising, we're trying to build relationships by giving them something of value and did that from 2000 to 2007 and mm -hmm. always had this itch to, to start my own business and you know, left in 2007, which was a horrible time economically, 2007, <laughs> eight, nine, maybe the, the oh worst God. and the best time ever to start a business. Right. But had this crazy idea that we could set up what, what I called then is the eHarmony for content marketing. We were trying to match up brands with agencies and writers and journalists that could help them get their content marketing initiatives off the ground. And it was a great idea that nobody wanted to pay for. And I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, I was struggling as a business owner. I had two small children at the time. I actually, in 2009, even though the blog was taking off and there were some things, really positive things going on, the, the money wasn't there yet. I actually started looking for a job again. I'm like, oh my God, this thing is not going to work. And then decided to do, of course, the pivot as every entrepreneur does at some point. And yep. said, look, I'm not going to sell this product that nobody wants to buy, but what do, does this audience need? And we were targeting marketing professionals, generally marketers at larger companies. And I said, well, what do they really need? And they need education. They are looking to meet other content marketing professionals. They need training. They need consulting. So pivoted into this thing called Content Marketing Institute that started in May of 2010. And everything, Max, just came together from then. And I had this little, I remember when there was a point that I was really struggling, really feeling, feeling sorry for myself. And, and I put down, it was, it was on a cocktail napkin. I think I was drinking at the time. And I, and I wrote down, we are going to have the largest uh, online destination for content marketing. We're going to have the, the leading magazine, trade magazine in the industry. And we're going to launch and grow the largest event in the end in the content marketing industry and we were able to reach those goals a couple of years later so that's when content marketing world was born in 2011 chief content officer magazine was born in that same year 2011 and just went from there and went on this high growth trajectory a few years later and then 2016 i always had this goal of growing this business and then selling it sold the business in 2016 stayed with the business for a couple more years and December 31st of uh, 2017 was my last official day and I've been on sabbatical for the last year that I took January I took a 30-day electronics free sabbatical where I didn't get on any social no email nothing co totally cut that off entirely in February I took a bucket list trip with my dad to Sicily so he could meet his family we met 60 of our cousins that we never met before it was fantastic and then the, the last few months been spending a lot of time with my kids and sort of trying to make up for lost time. I, I did a lot of traveling. I would do more than 50% traveling uh, over the past you know, eight or nine years. And then this year, I've, I've really been able to, to stay home with them. I got two teenage boys and we've been staying home watching the, the Browns try to win games, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> so keyword there is try. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, of course, uh, my other side gig at this time is, you know, my wife and I founded the Orange Effect Foundation in 2014. Basically, we raise funds for children with speech disorders and help them to pay for consistent speech therapy. A lot in 
a lot is done in the in the autism spectrum, if you will. A lot of great organizations like Autism Speaks, but not a lot of people helping pay for speech therapy, which is so needed. And that's what our organization does, and I actively fundraise for that. So that's what I'm doing right now. Wow, in a nutshell. And I have plenty of questions. The most important being, do you still have that cocktail napkin? Uh, I, you know, I don't. I wish I did. <laughs> because I want to prove that I actually, but I, I right. have many, I have, I have a notebook fetish. I don't know if you do, but I have. Yep. I got one out right now. Every, yeah. I have <laughs> notebooks everywhere. I have a stack of about a hundred notebooks that are either full or half full of writings. And I have my <laughs> goals. I'm a goal fanatic. So I always would yep. write down goals. Like, so I have the original goal where I said that I wanted to sell the business for this amount of money that was done in 2010. And all those types of things. And then, you know, just check them off as we, as we hit those goals and try new goals. But yeah, I, I, I don't have the napkin, but I guarantee you, I enjoyed the drink. <laughs> That's all we can <laughs> ask for. Yeah. Well, yeah. We need to find those uh, relics and put them in the content marketing oh. hall of fame, which will probably replace the rock and roll hall of fame at some point, just the way trends are going. <laughs> well, if yeah, still a lot of people don't know about content, we love content marketing. Oh, absolutely. No about content. We sort of, you know, a lot of people didn't even know that term didn't even exist until 2007, 2008 when we started, because right. that was sort of our, our, we call it a content tilt is how do you get people interested in a topic custom? Nobody wants to talk about custom publishing. I used to go in to talk to chief marketing <laughs> officers saying, Hey, are you doing any custom publishing? And they were already sleeping by the time I, I got my words out. But when you say content marketing, marketing professionals, and you put anything with marketing, marketers are interested in it. direct marketing, internet marketing, content marketing. So we, we repositioned the art of custom publishing into content marketing and it, and it worked fairly well. Yeah. The marketing is such a buzzword for marketers, huh? Funny how that works. Yeah. Interesting. Just talk to them in their language. It seems to work pretty well. Right. And I'm currently hiding the tattoo on my bicep that says custom publishing. So <laughs> <laughs> So can you talk a little bit about your transition from the more corporate world and the publishing world to your entrepreneurship experience? Because that is a huge change. And as you noted, you did it at maybe the worst time to do it financially, just based on what was going on in the economy. That, that is unbelievable. Can you dive into that a little bit? So as I said, I always wanted to start a business and had these notebooks and said I would I would leave at some point. And so working on these large accounts were fantastic going to these corporations, but I just felt in talking to enough people and looking at enough research online that with the advent of Google, with the advent of social media, companies were going to have to do a better job at their communications. They can't just go out and say, buy this product. You actually have to try to build long-term relationships with customers by giving them something of value. That's the whole idea behind content marketing. So we're going to deliver information that you really, really need, position us as the experts in that, whatever that area of interest is, and grow our audience, much like a media company does. So what we were doing, right. what we're trying to promote is, we're all media companies. Every company is a media company, but you have to take responsibility. You have to learn how to become a media company. It's that, that's by delivering this value. And so let's say 2005 was probably when I really thought this could be a business. There's something around this that could happen. And in 2006, I wrote it down and I talked to my wife and I said, basically, this is how it happened, Max. I was talking about starting a business all the time. And my wife said, look, would you just stop talking about it and do something? Like either, 
either stop talking about it or, you know, actually launch this thing. So I remember I wrote down the goal and I said, by the end of the first quarter, 2007, I will have left my corporate job and started this business. And on my last day at Penton Media was March 29th, March 30th. So right before the quarter break and uh, April 2nd was our first day in business launched the blog initially in, in April of 2007. And that was the go-to-market strategy, which at this time probably doesn't <laughs> seem that silly, but in 2007, it was hideous to even think about, oh yeah, how are you going to grow the business? How are you going to get attention? Well, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going <laughs> to write, I'm going to write consistently uh, and deliver three or four blogs a week and try to get people to understand what this content marketing thing is. And that's exactly what I did. And, uh, I would say probably it took about a year, a year to 15 months and started to build that audience. And lo and behold, got about 10,000 people, which was a huge number at the time, at least for us, to right. subscribe to our e-newsletter and to start opening it up and educating themselves. And we were getting started to get a lot of inquiries about doing consulting and, and training. And then that's where we, we evolved into, hey, this content marketing institute thing could actually be something. I think the biggest thing for those you know people listening, either trying to think about starting a business or, or going off on their own, is to actually set the goal and review it every day. So that's, that's my big thing. I'm a big Napoleon Hill fan, Think and Grow Rich. And I'm a big thing about writing down goals and reviewing them. And then when I, when I work with entrepreneurs, that's the thing that they're missing in a lot of cases because you have to review that goal every day and you have to believe it. it Take 66 days on average to pick up a new behavior. So if you, let's say you wanted to work out, you have to, do, you have to work out for 66 days in a row consistently for that thing to become a habit. And the same thing happens with goal setting. So you have to review that thing at least three months before you actually start to believe it because if you don't believe it, it's not gonna happen. And I really do believe you have to have faith in this, that this is really going to happen, especially starting a business in an industry that didn't really exist. <laughs> right. Having people actually want to follow that and help you get your business off and running. And, and that's what I did. And, and I continue to be a big, big write down your goals guy and review them. Although my goals have changed, I've sort of evolved from career goals into family goals and spending more time with the kids as we talked about. But that's the big, right. write it down repeat it, review it on a regular basis until it becomes part of your everyday lexicon. And then you'll start to wake up every day with a mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally subscribe to that. It's There's so many things you're exposed to these days that there's so much floating around in your head that it's so helpful to have that reminder in front of you, whether you look at it daily or once a week or what, but totally subscribe to the goal setting. Uh, it's amazing how consistent that is among successful people out there and the leaders in the world and in the marketing world of you really got to lay out what you want to do before you do it. And so it's really cool that that's exactly what you did. Well, the other thing, the other thing is, is it I'll give you an example. So let's say that you, you write down your goal and your goal is to, to grow this business and you want it to be a certain size. You read that in the morning, you should read in the morning and then right before you go to bed at night so that you, you can dream about this and it really, it helps with everything going into then and the next morning and it sort of feeds on itself. But if you read that goal, you're not as apt to, oh, I'm gonna get on Facebook this morning or I'm gonna get on Twitter or I'm gonna read my email because you might be thinking, well, that, that's not gonna help me with my goal. 
you're <laughs> going to start to think about the things that you need to do that day that are going to help you with that goal that you read that it's starting to become part of who you are. And that's when, you know, when I do some of this counseling stuff and I'm like, well, well, what did you do this morning? Oh, well, I, you know, I had to, I did 45 minutes of email and then I got on Twitter and I did this. I'm like, that's fine. But is that going to help you with your goal? No, probably not. So right. let, let's review that goal in the morning so that you're, you're positioned the right way. Right. Yeah. And only exception is if your goal is to be more active reading tweets and Facebook posts. Yeah. I mean, like if you've got nothing else to do, then it doesn't matter. Right. You yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> so I love Content Marketing Institute. Uh, I've never been to Content Marketing World, so hopefully you don't hang up right away. But I really want to. I really need to. It's in Cleveland. I mean, I'm like kicking myself all the time. I need to go you back. Know, you know, by the way, it is the largest business event in Cleveland, which... Really? Business overall? Well, I know you're in, I know you're in New York right now. So there's I mean, yeah. large events every day, you know, Chicago, Vegas, but Cleveland doesn't right. have large B2B events. So it is mm -hmm. the largest event. And, and that was one of the the important things is, I mean, I'm a big Cleveland advocate. So I'm like, okay, well, well, what can we do to help Cleveland as well as help the business? And that was keeping that event in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Can you go into a little bit more detail there? Like, did you get help from the city leaders? How did you, what was involved in building the biggest business event in Cleveland? Cause that's, I mean, that's historic. It's amazing. Oh, it's boy. There were a lot of little things, Max. I think the first thing is, so we, we Made this, made, as I said, on the cocktail napkin, this, that was in September <laughs> of 2010. So we're going to launch this event. And in November of that year, I worked with my wife and we got a meeting set up. It was at the Renaissance downtown Cleveland. And we've got, we, we got some of the marketing leaders in Cleveland together and some of the larger business owners and some marketing people at large companies. And we got them in and we painted this vision for Content Marketing World. We said, Content Marketing World is going to be, it's going to be the, this huge event. We've got to get you involved. How do we do that? And we sold them this event, you know, gave them a good meal, gave them a couple drinks, sold this <laughs> event, sold this event to them. And that was the first thing. So trying to get the community leaders around the marketing area in Cleveland involved. And that worked really well because from that first meeting, we got our platinum sponsor. Wow. So it's did that and then worked with what's called Destination Cleveland right now. So they're actively trying to get, you know, visitors to Cleveland, worked with them. They, I, I think they, I think they call it the Cleveland Champions Program. I became a Cleveland champion in 2013 so that when I would go out and I, as you know, I do a lot of speaking. I think I've spoken in 16 countries, I've done like 500 different keynote events, but I would go out and tell people I'm from Cleveland. If you ever want to have an event in Cleveland, come on in. So sort of trying to build that up. And I mean, Cleveland's come a long, long way. It's a great city right now, but um, there were some oh, yeah. times, as you know, that it, <laughs> it was really struggling and we all need to do our part. So that was it. And, and anybody from Cleveland feels that and we're all sort of trying to do that. And, and, and I was playing on that a little bit. So hey, this is really important, not only for marketing, not only important for you as a marketer, but important for the city of Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. So we really pushed that as we go. But I think that all, that's what also makes that event unique. And the, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I love Las Vegas. I love going to events in Las Vegas. But the problem is, is that if you get to an event in Las Vegas, sometimes you don't want to go to the event. You want to go. <laughs> you want to go to other stuff in Vegas. You want to go to do other stuff. Yeah. That's the one good thing about at least when we were selling Cleveland. It's like they come to Cleveland, they're going to go to the event. Now, there's a few more <laughs> things to do now. Right. But, uh, and September is a beautiful time in Cleveland. But, but Yeah. 
just pushing that. And that's, and again, that's, that was one of my goals. I have a, I have a giving area or a philanthropic area, uh, along with orange effect foundation. It was always about how do we give back to the city of Cleveland? And it was, what do I need to do with my business to help the city? So that was one of the goals as well. Yeah. I can attest to that from the Cleveland standpoint. Every time I come back to visit or for the holidays, it feels like a new city or a new refreshed city because there's new buildings coming up. Uh, I love that they totally have revived the flats area. There's new hotels, high rises and everything. It's really, it just has such a different feel to it. And for anybody that hasn't been to Cleveland Hopkins airport, the main airport in Cleveland, come content marketing world season. When you get off your plane and you're walking out of the gate and walking out of the airport, there are all these signs and posters for content marketing world. And it's a huge feature there. And so I just kind of always laugh to myself looking at that, like, Oh, that's Joe. That's you, Joe. <laughs> so it's really, you kind of have created such a cool thing that fits really well with Cleveland's vibe and creative vibe and really put Cleveland on the map even more, which is really special. Well, we, you know, don't give me all the credit. We had a fantastic <laughs> team uh, and, and uh, I'm not the execution guy. I'm the idea guy. Yep. But what was gr what's great about, and this is not just Cleveland. So if you're listening to this, don't think that, oh, you can only do this in Cleveland. You could second tier cities, if you will. Uh, you know, you like your like your Pittsburghs, your Milwaukee's, those types of cities. You can do things with events in those cities that you can't do in Chicago, New York, because you're just another event. But in Cleveland, right. it's special. It's different. They really need the business that you're bringing in. If you come to Content Marketing World the first week of September, all the hotels are booked with Content Marketing World attendees. But if you go in and you you're going to register at the hotel, they've got their Content Marketing world buttons on you see banners in the street you see taxi toppers with content marketing world those are things that you can do in cleveland and other second tier cities that you can't do in the larger cities and that's what i love about it because we were able to sort of do a, a city takeover with this event mm -hmm. which you know we get four thousand attendees it's just a very very large b2b event but let's put that in perspective dreamforce gets one hundred seventy-five thousand uh wow. salesforce's event yeah, uh, it's yeah. in San Francisco. Is that a big event for San Francisco? Sure, but if you put a 5,000-person event in San Francisco, they won't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. so just something to think about if you're trying to create your own event and do something. I'm always preferring a, a non-New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, San Francisco event over anything else. Right, yeah, unless you have an infinite budget, which is kind of hard to come by these days. But <laughs> uh, you mentioned 4,000 attendees on average. Do you have any idea what the total number is overall for content marketing world over the years? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, we started, I mean, if you go back, so go back to 2000, and if we continue sort of the origin story, if you will, of Content <laughs> Marketing Institute, in 2010, we had that meeting Honestly, I, we reserved one room at the Renaissance. That room was going to fill 100 to 150 people. And I'm thinking, how the heck are we going to get 150 people to Cleveland? For content? <laughs> I had no idea if we were going to be able to do it. Well, fast forward to September 2011, we hit 660. Wow. And that is, it was all, already almost the largest event in content marketing by that time. <laughs> and then... We couldn't have, in the next year, we couldn't have it in Cleveland because the convention center wasn't built yet and there wasn't a hotel that could service more than, let's say, 800 people. So we went to Columbus, Ohio. We had 1,000 people at that event, then had it back 
in, you know, brought it back to Cleveland because we were the first real event in the new convention center in Cleveland. So we helped them mm -hmm. work out all the bugs and then got uh, 1,700 in our third year in 2013. And then it grew from there and now it's 4,000 plus. So do the math. So it's, you know, let's yeah. say it's 12,000, 12, 13,000 people. Uh, and, and what's amazing is, is that we're able to show them Cleveland and the city because most of the people that come to content marketing world had never been to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. If you're a first time attendee to content marketing world, 90% chance you've never been to Cleveland. So we can show them the good parts of Cleveland. <laughs> we could show them the new flats. We could show them the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's usually an Indians game going on, so we can go take them to an Indians game. Yeah, and things like that. Because the belief is they're with big company. I mean, they're with the these are the largest of the large companies in the world. They're coming in, and now they can say, "Hey, maybe we can have our event here," or "I'd like to come on vacation to Cleveland." So those things really start to feed upon itself, and we've been able to. I don't know what the last number was, but we we deliver three, four, five million dollars in economic activity to the city of Cleveland every year continues oh. to grow. And that's a, that's a big deal. You know, those things, if Destination Cleveland puts their pamphlet out every year and we're always in there about driving business to Cleveland. And that's something that's, that's one of the top three things I'm probably the, the proudest of is, is helping the city a little bit. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for driving so much to Cleveland. You probably had no idea at the start that you would have such a big impact on Cleveland's tourism unit. <laughs> I'm just trying to feed the kids, man. I mean, yes. honestly, <laughs> I, mean, I have the goal set. Right. I was in 2009. I'm act, you know, I didn't tell anybody at the time. I'm actively looking for a job. I didn't think this thing was going to work because the economy was in the tank at the time. Wow. Nobody wanted to buy anything we had to offer. And I was basically surviving by, by doing speaking gigs. Wow. Well, we're, we're thankful that you didn't find another job at the time. Oh God. It's, um, it's yeah. funny how things work, my friend. Hi, this is Greg Brandstetter, founder of Hippo Direct. Has all this wild growth talk made you hungry for some new customers? Well, here's your recipe for success. Hippo Direct can help you acquire new clients using proven methods such as postal mailings, email marketing, and targeted ads on Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We can even create a customized leads and prospecting database for you. So check out hippodirect.com and contact us today. When you think back to content marketing world are there any moments that stick out to you as the most memorable oh man <laughs> i want to hear this one. <laughs> oh no it, so our first the first content marketing world we had kevin smith you know jay and silent bob kevin smith yeah yeah the actor director uh clerks director writer right, um, which, which was yeah which was which was a big big deal and but he has he really um, uh, he doesn't have a filter. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Right. And in so he did a comedy act the day before his closing keynote, and he he had some interesting jokes, which you know I thought were funny. A lot of people thought were funny, but a lot of people didn't know who Kevin Smith was. Um, and the next day, I had more than three people come up to me in tears. Oh no! Saying. I didn't, I know I just went, I didn't know this, this was just a horrible thing. And I learned a lot as an event producer then that you have to put out a disclaimer and let people know and may or may not have, you know, made that decision again. But the, you know, he, he showed up the next day, by the way, he did. And then I, I had him on there because he's built such a great, you know, this podcast network is amazing. What he's done with his 
with his comic book thing on AMC oh, yeah. and he's done some really amazing things and mm-hmm. built his audience. And so I wanted him to tell that story and he did. He was great. Uh, I, I believe he was also really high at the time. So that <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> that was, that was something that I'm like, okay, well you got it together. So he goes up on stage, he does his thing and that's fine. <laughs> so that was interesting that that whole thing happened. Yeah. We, we've had a lot. I mean, Mark Hamill keynote was amazing to have Mark Hamill there. I mean, Kevin Spacey, what happened to him recently, but he was a, he gave a fantastic speech at content marketing world. I mean, just hamming it up with William Shatner backstage was a great moment. Uh, but the one that I remember of everything else, and, and nobody really knows this because it was just my wife and I were about to kick off the first content marketing world in 2011. And I'm, I, I was coming out on stage with an orange NASA jumpsuit. <laughs> I'm putting on, I'm by myself, I'm putting the NASA jumpsuit on and my wife comes back. This is five minutes before I'm going out on stage. There's the 660 people that are waiting and she just looks at me and we both start crying our eyes out because <laughs> it was, that was the first time where we were like, this thing might work. Wow. Because it was such a struggle for the four years before then, you know, leaving Fenton in 2007 and just, you know, cried, gave each other a hug. I think actually, I don't know if you know David Merman Scott, but David Merman Scott was our opening keynote. He's wrote, uh, written the, the new rules of, of marketing and PR. It's been a global bestseller, but he was sort of watching from the wings at us. So he's the only other one that saw this happen, but I'll never forget. <laughs> that moment because um you know and then going out on stage and seeing all those people i'm like oh my god i can't believe it it's, it worked i mean the people are here and it's and it's <laughs> gonna happen but but sharing sharing that moment with my wife was really important because she ran operations for she's she was the behind the scenes person and i would go out and come up with the idea and go out and sell the idea and she would make sure you know everything logistically happened and we went through that together and there's not a lot of husband wife teams that are able to do that and just you know I'll, that was a very emotional moment I'll never forget it from then on you know and we've you know retired together and formed the Orange Effect Foundation together and so it's been it's been fun kind of going through this journey with my wife and, and, and best friend it's been the great times. That's incredible and it's out of this world that that all hit you guys in that one moment right before you're about to go on stage like that would be crazy are you sure she wasn't just crying at how funny you looked in a it, it could have been it, it could have <laughs> been although i come out in uh you know if anybody reads my bio or sees a, a video of me or you'll always i'm always in something orange uh, yeah generally i come out in an orange suit uh but that first year i came out with the with the nasa uh, suit because NASA <laughs> Glen is just right down the street and uh, yeah. like okay well, well I got to do something that's orange and everything content marketing world everything is orange we have a separate uh, right. for breaks there's a separate orange snack table that you can get you know carrots and dip and and uh, and orange donuts and and anything Cheetos whatever orange crush whatever whatever <laughs> whatever so we really we really lay into that quirk and uh, it seems to work for us. How did you pick orange in the first place? Because it is everywhere. It's a great color. It wasn't on purpose. But once I found out, so, you know, I launched the business in 2007 and the colors were, first color was orange, 
Second color was gray. That was the, the logo's colors. And if you look at Content Marketing Institute logo, you'll see that's what it is, orange and gray. And I started to go out and do speaking. And I always just wore, and in my picture and everything, I wore this orange button-down shirt because I'm like, hey, I started a business. What do you do? I, I, <laughs> you got to wear sort of the, the color of the business. So I wear this orange shirt everywhere. And I ended up going to, to do a speech in Brussels. It was my first international speech. And this is February of 2009. And I'm going to do this content marketing speech. And the person says, Joe, we have this whole thing about this is a black tie event. And would you wear a black tuxedo with a silver bow tie for this instead of your whatever you were going to wear? And I said, well, you're paying me to be here. I'll wear a monkey suit if you want me to. I'll wear whatever you want. <laughs> so I go up, I get up, I get up on stage and I do my speech as a speech and then a Q&A on content marketing. And I had the black tux with the silver tie and I come off on stage. Never been in Brussels before, just trying to work out the language as best I can. And I had three people come up to me and ask me why I wasn't wearing orange. And it took me by, I'm like, uh, what uh are you is this a real question why are you and then really they said well every video everything we've seen of you you've been wearing orange and i said oh my god this could be a thing and from that moment on i went off the deep end in orange and went double <laughs> and took double the amount of orange and everything and we looked at the site and we said more orange everything's got to have orange so then i started buying orange shoes and orange shirt and if you go into my closet still today, uh, even though I haven't been doing as much speaking, it looks like the scene, you know, the scene from Pulp Fiction where they open up, uh, Samuel Jackson opens up the briefcase and the, like kind of that orange yellow glow comes out. That's what <laughs> yeah. my, uh, that's what my uh, closet looks like. You walk <laughs> in and there's an orange glow because every piece of clothing is orange in there. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and I really, and I really do feel any way you can differentiate your business is a good thing. And if people were differentiating us by our color, we were going in on it and uh, and still today. I mean that's sort of the that's sort of the thing. We've we've kept the orange and I really do I can't quantify it. I can't say max that we've delivered, you know, 10 million dollars in additional business because we wear orange clothing. Right. But when people come to content marketing world, they pack orange. They you go and <laughs> the these are wearing orange. So wow. it's it's, an, it's amazing how this thing builds on yourself and it's sort of part of the community and everyone in the content marketing community knows that orange, orange is the color of content and happens to be the color for CMI and, and it's the color for Joe Polizzi. And I can't, I can't go anywhere. Like I went to, this happened a couple of years ago, I went to Giant Eagle, local grocery store, and I'm just going to pick up bread and, and lunch meat for the kids or whatever else. And I was in, I had a, I don't know, whatever, it was like a, a gray hat, a, gray sweatshirt, whatever, jeans. I'm just picking up groceries. And I had somebody come up to me and said, are you Joe Polizzi? I said, yeah, I'm Joe Polizzi. How, how you doing? And I said, you're not wearing orange. I said, man, I'm getting groceries. I mean, yeah, I'm said, sorry. <laughs> how and dare you? I know. So that's, and I'm not complaining. I've totally done that to myself, branded myself as orange, but now pretty much even today, I mean, we're on a podcast right now. I have an orange hat on an orange sweatshirt. Just in case. Appreciate it, yeah. Just in case. Uh, I, got, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I, I'm campaigning on your behalf to rename the football team the Cleveland Oranges. 
Oh, God. Yeah, well, a lot of people think. I mean, if you look at my – I went to Bowling Green State University just south of Toledo. Uh, <laughs> Their color is orange and brown. You right. go to uh, Cleveland Browns, orange color. Uh, I mean, so I've got a lot of orange that people say, is that why it's orange? Really, I, I just wanted something to differentiate us as we went, and it stuck. And now I, I like it or not, I'm, I'm, orange is part of me. Well, thank God it stuck. It would have been a real bummer if everybody hated that color. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want to get your ideas on content marketing real quick before we move on to a different space. What's the biggest change that you've seen with content marketing from the start when you were one of the first people using the word to these days where so many people are big on it and you obviously now have the biggest content marketing conference in the world. Well, from starting, I mean, in 2000, even when I started in the business in the year 2000 with Penton and then on CMI, I would say until 2011, 12, you had to really sell it. When I was going in and talking to chief marketing officers, marketing teams, you had to talk to somebody with the purse strings for the budget and educate them on what content marketing was because nobody understood it. Then you had to make it physical. Say, look, it's sort of like having your own magazine and you're creating your own audience like a media company would. And they, then they don't understand that you can't sell right away when you do that stuff. So you have to really educate. Now, it's wonderful to go into companies that already get it. They already have a budget for content marketing. It's mm-hmm. either part of the digital marketing budget in some way or part of the overall marketing budget. And then now you're just telling them, a better formula or a different way to look at it or how they can focus their resources in a way that's going to get the most benefit for not only the audience, their customers, but themselves in their, their marketing activity. So that I absolutely love. So we're in a point where what's generally happened is somebody said, Hey, let's try this content marketing thing. You go in, you educate them. They deploy a little bit of budget. They fail miserably because they, they usually start out doing it wrong or they try to put content on every channel, which is not the right way to do it. And then they say, okay, we really need to figure this thing out because we've got content going, content run amok and we don't have any focus. And then yeah. they really start to focus their program and become okay at it, good at it, then great at it. And now you're, I think you're at that point right now if you're saying what's the, the current state of content marketing? Everybody's doing it. And they're really trying to figure out how to build this audience. And the future of it is you're seeing audiences built by regular companies, small, medium-sized, and large companies. And now you're starting to see different monetization methods. So let's say somebody builds up a YouTube channel or has a big email newsletter that they built up this audience. And they're realizing, oh, well, yeah, we're selling more products and services that we already sell. But now... We're, our, we're, we're driving advertising revenues. So they've created maybe advertising revenues, sponsorship revenues. Then maybe they've launched events from that, which are profitable events. Uh, maybe they're creating new products that they never thought of before because of the audience feedback they're getting. So you're seeing four, five, six different revenue generating activities come from this right. content marketing initiative. And that's what I love. I mean, that's, that's, that was our business model, Content Marketing Institute. It was create an audience, start by monetizing it one way, which we did through advertising and sponsorship. And then, you know, today they were, you know, driving revenue 10, 12, 14 different ways because we have an audience that cares about us, that we care about them. And they're willing to try new products that we launch. 
and they're willing to support different activities we have. And I think any company in any industry, even the most boring industries in the world, are able to do this. That's where we're heading. So when you say, okay, Joe, what does content marketing look like in five years, maybe 10 years, I'll say that everyone is going to look and feel like a media company. We won't, we won't see it that way because I don't think regular consumers will see that, but your, you know, your Apples, your Googles, your Amazons, to your Lincoln Electrics, to your big B2B companies, they're all going to look like media companies. They're gonna be monetizing multiple different ways. And if you say, who's going to be the largest media company in the world? It's not going to be media companies. It's going, <laughs> it's going to be regular companies. Yep. And, that's, and not that everyone has to have a content marketing strategy. You don't. You could still use word of mouth. You can still use big advertising programs. Nothing wrong with that. But the most innovative, the fastest growing companies in the world are going to have a content marketing strategy that's really working for them. Right. What do you think is going to be the best way in the future for people to monetize? Because that's kind of the, no pun intended, million dollar question for a lot of people out there. Monetize off of content marketing. Okay, so first, it's hard not to want to monetize right away. So let's just make it, for people that don't know content marketing, you might not yeah. say, okay, well, what, are we, what are we talking about here? So, so let's just say <laughs> that, let's just take something simple like an e-newsletter. Let's say you're delivering a weekly e-newsletter to an audience. You're getting that audience to subscribe. And let's say you have 10,000 subscribers to that audience. The first way you generally monetize it is by selling more of the products you currently sell. So, so, so maybe it's a lead generating type of activity or maybe it's a loyalty driven activity. So let's, let's look at John Deere. John Deere of the Furrow Magazine. John Deere launched the Furrow Magazine in 1895. They launched it to farmers and the thought was if they help if they distribute this educational information on how farmers can be better farmers and they can hire better people and they can use better technology the thought was that they create could create such a loyalty that those people that read that magazine were more likely to buy another John Deere and oh by the way it's worked pretty well for 120 years yep so that's why you say is content marketing new? No, it's, it's a very old discipline. It's just a new term for an older thing that we've done in the past. You generally just monetize it the way you normally monetize it. Let's take it to the next level. Let's look at something like what's, what Salesforce has done. Well, Salesforce started their Dreamforce by saying, well, if we can get dream people to, to this event, we're going to call it Dreamforce. And we feel that the people that we invite, our customers, are going to make sure they resubscribe to Salesforce every year, which they've done pretty well. And then we're going to invite people that don't know, that don't use Salesforce and invite them and maybe they'll sign up. And they did that too. And then if you look at, okay, well today, Dreamforce is 175,000 people and they monetize that by driving around almost, I would say almost a billion dollars in revenue off of that thing. How do they do that? Well, they sell, <laughs> they sell, they sell event registrations and they have sponsors. Some sponsors have to pay one, two, three, five million dollars just to be a sponsor for that event. So if you say, well, what's one, what's one of the largest event media companies in the world? I'd say, well, it's not really an event media company. It's Salesforce. Look what they're doing with Dreamforce. If they sold that, if mm -hmm. they sold that event by itself, it would go for over a billion dollars. Wow. And that's not what they do. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're thinking of. So, so mm -hmm. what I want you to do if you're thinking about monetizing content marketing is 
Start with one thing. And it's a hypothesis. It might, may or may not work, but you, you sort of see the, where, where it goes. Kind of like we did. We said, okay, we're going to start a blog and a newsletter. How are we going to monetize that? We're going to start with sponsorship. And then from there we went to, oh, then we're going to launch this event and drive revenues that way. Then we're going to launch affiliate related products and drive affiliate revenues online. Then we're going to launch new whole new product categories that we never thought of before. Then we're going to sell more books and go on and on and on. And then you, that's when you diversify your revenue streams, which is very late in the content marketing process. But you start with one thing and then go on and on and on from there and before you know it, you're monetizing it, you know, a dozen different ways uh, because you are now the largest media company in your industry. Quick story, just because it's my favorite <laughs> case, favorite case yeah. study. If you want to know a company that's really doing it well, go check out Aero Electronics. Aero Electronics, mm -hmm. it's a Fortune 119 company. I believe last year they did about $24 billion in revenue. They, they're an electronics distributor. They own more than 50 different brands in the electronics industry. They reach 80% of their audience by delivering some type of content generated product, a magazine, newsletter, uh, online destination, whatever it is. That's what I think the future of content marketing will be, where you have B2B and B2C companies that own so many different, what we would call content brands. It's not their, it's not Aero Electronics, but it's electronics distri distribution today. And you have 30,000 or 40,000 people signed up for that. They've opt in to get that information and they become a loyal audience. And then you monetize that audience. What I love about that, Max, is that that program in and of itself is profitable. They don't have to go mm -hmm. ask for more marketing budget. They, they drive profit from all those initiatives by selling advertising, by selling content yeah. subscriptions, by doing custom content work for other companies. And by the way, it's a great marketing initiative as well. Totally. It's game changing. And I have to thank you for this perfect segue because we are now going to head to the wild business shout out of the week. The wild business shout out of the week. All right. <laughs> so wild business shout of the week. This is where we cover a company or person out there in the entrepreneurship marketing world that's doing something really, really breakthrough. And earlier we were chatting and you mentioned that there was something the Salesforce CEO did recently that got a lot of headlines and sort of a huge move out there for the industry. Can you speak a little bit about what that was and your reaction to it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it started uh, with Jeff Bezos uh, buying the uh, Washington Post. This was years ago. And now Time Magazine has been for sale for a long time. And the thought was, is that uh, another media company would go and buy that and uh, lo and behold, Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, goes and, and buys Time Magazine, which now you have all these eccentric billionaires that are, are buying media, uh, which is, yeah. you know, now it's kind of, you know, the first one with, with Bezos buying the Post, you think, oh, that's interesting. And now you have a trend and you're going to see this more and more. Now, what now Salesforce didn't buy it. Mark Benioff purchased it. What I think is it's going to transform from this is you're going to start seeing large scale product brands start to buy me, uh, media companies, which I, we are right there right now. So when you see uh, a Hearst for sale at some point, when you see some of these companies come up for sale, they're going to be purchased by the Apples, the Googles, the Amazons. I mean, you're already seeing it, right? Amazon bought Twitch. Twitch was a media yep. platform. You know, that's, that's happening right now. 
Oh yeah, it's blowing up. Yeah, I mean that's it's amazing to see what, so how these are happening, and that's where I think it's a great opportunity for anyone listening to this. So if you are even a small company, medium-sized company, and you're trying to break into this content marketing industry, hey, it takes time, it takes dedication, it takes vision to do it really well. But if you want to shortcut the process and you've got a little bit of spare cash on you, why don't you go out and buy the leading education media property in your industry? And I think somebody like a Mark Benioff is showing us the way to do that, sort of giving us permission to do that. You know, at Content Marketing Institute, we did it twice. We bought another event. We bought our awards program instead of starting it from scratch. It happens all the time with companies buying other companies, but for some reason, we're not at a place because we don't even think it's a thing where we think we can go out and buy a media company. You absolutely have permission to do this, and I think that you're going to see a wave of these transactions happen in the next couple of years. Yeah. It seems like it's just the start of a, a giant trend here, literally giant in terms of dollar figures, but in just in terms of changing the industry, because this media is everything these days. Everybody is trying to disrupt and break through the clutter and uh, be that sort of content marketing icon, as you know. Let's finish up with some rapid fire Q&A. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. All right, you mentioned a lot of people earlier. First question, who's the most famous person whose number you have on your phone? <laughs> I still have William Shatner's number in my phone. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, favorite Browns player of all time? Oh my gosh, that's too hard. Um, uh, <laughs> growing up when I, was, when I was a little kid, it was Brian Sype. And then, of course, on to, to Bernie Kosar. And then I loved yeah. Eric Metcalf for a lot of years. And I really can't say anything now because uh, we, we, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah, go. It's a, it's a little early. We got yeah, some time. A little, little bit early. Yeah. How about on the flip side of things? What is your biggest pet peeve? Boy, I would say people that make excuses just drives me crazy, especially business owners. When they say it wasn't the right time, I can't launch this because of this reason. I can't, and that's the thing with my kids all the time. If they come in and make excuses, I'm going to say, or it was somebody else's fault, drives me crazy. I want to say, look, you made a choice to do this. If you're going to say you can't do it or can do it, you just lay it out. You say, I don't want to do it because of this. Don't say that anything is not possible. And I, when I go in and an entrepreneur says that they didn't make their numbers because of something in, you know, going on in the environment or something outside of their control, and I'm like, well, make it your control. If you say it's not under your control, you're never going to be successful. Yeah, exactly. What is your favorite hobby? Oh, hey, I have, uh, I've got a lot of favorite hobbies, but I have bowling league tonight. <laughs> I just joined a bowling league, which really seems weird for, to say that for some reason. But I actually, I bought a new bowling ball. I'm getting right back into bowling. I've been a golfer for a long time. I'm a runner. I run, uh, I run two half marathons a year. I run a couple times a week. So all those things. Uh, I, I used to collect baseball cards and still sort of do. But I don't like to tell a lot of people about it. <laughs> still sort of do. All right. Well, still we can, we can edit that one out if you want. But no, it's all good. No, it's, it's, hey, it's all good. Yeah. Grew up on that. I hope you get a turkey tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. How about, do you have any quirks or sort of weird talents? It's funny. I was talking to, we have a group of friends that 
I didn't think I had any, but apparently I have a, a ton of them. Uh, I If it gets too cold out, my hands uh, lose their blood and I pass out. So that's oh, one. No. What like a, actually yeah. pass out? I, I can actually pass out. It's happened twice. Well, that's like a superpower. Yeah, it's like it's something. Yeah, it's it's a superpower <laughs> the opposite way that you don't want. Uh, if somebody really catches me off guard and scares me, I fall down. I lose all feeling in my leg, and my <laughs> leg it actually drops uh, for a while. I and maybe still do, but I don't eat as many as I used to. I had a list of eating mozzarella sticks in all fifty states. I got up to like twenty four. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> I that's, that's, probably go on and on, but yeah, that's, uh, I have a lot of quirks. I wear orange incessantly. Yeah. I mean, they, that's probably a quirk too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love those. I love hearing people's quirks and I'm, you've inspired me. I think they need to create a comic book series based off of you with some superhero that passes out and leg falls asleep and all these certain, I don't know what the name is yet. We'll have to think on that, but, uh, I think that would be quite the character. Oh, well, it's it's wonderful and horrible at the same time, because whenever I go out with my friends, they always try to get me in a position where they can scare me. Oh, no. And then, yeah, because they want to see me laying on the floor. And that's what friends are for. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, we, <laughs> we all have friends that exactly. want to scare us to death. OK, last one here. What is your favorite book of all time? And it can't be one that you wrote. Oh, this is easy. Stranger in a Strange Land, Robert Heinlein. I read it every year. I've probably read it a dozen times. Uh, I can't. A lot of my business practice. It's it's a fiction book. It's about a guy that was born on Mars, Valentine Michael Smith, and came to Earth. Uh, but get past all that. It is a great business book. It has some great, amazing lessons about focus. So everything I've learned about focus in life and in business comes from Stranger in a Strange Land. Can't recommend it highly enough. We'll have to read it. I'll read it on my flight to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and out of your sabbatical to come on the Wild Business Growth Podcast here. It's been amazing hearing more about your story and the content marketing world, CMI, and more origins. Thank you so much. I know you'll keep repping Cleveland as much as all of us know and love. So uh, before we sign off here, just want to make sure that people know the best way to connect with you. I don't know if you're still going to be active on social media. You're still kind of going to stay away from it more than you used to. But what's the best way that people can connect with you or that they used to be able to connect with you? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still I'm still available. I, I'm not on social media as much as I used to. I'm at Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I on Twitter. And uh, JoePolizzi.com is the place where you can get all my books. And, and if you need to email me or anything like that, and then... Uh, theorangeeffect.org is the is the nonprofit site, and I'm readily available there as well. I still write blog posts and things like that for for Orange Effect. Perfect. There you go. All right, everyone, make sure to connect with Joe. And Joe, the stage is yours. Any final thoughts to send us off on? We just started talking about Stranger in a Strange Land, so my final thought is about focus. I'm a big focus fan. And where usually I see people that are having a tough time getting it together, it's because they have too many balls uh, they're juggling in the air and they're not focused on something. It's worthwhile to sit down and for, it takes weeks sometimes, sometimes months and really figure out who you want to be. What do you want to do with your life? What's the most important to you? And then rearrange your goals and rearrange your life around that thing or those couple things and really get focused on being great at those and not just being okay at 
a dozen different things. So basically, don't have too many balls. Don't have too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. I got a, that's a t-shirt right there. Well, then, you heard it here first. Don't have too many balls t-shirts coming to a t-shirt store near you. Side note, huge shout out to Hugh Jackson for somehow managing to get fired in between the time we recorded the episode and the time we released the episode. Shout out, Browns. But thank you so much again, Joe. You're absolutely the man. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your sabbatical and out of your day to come on the podcast. Make sure to connect with Joe and go find some of his blogs, read his books, soak up his wisdom because he really, really is the godfather of content marketing. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to another edition of the Wild Business Growth Podcast presented by Hippo Direct. You know the drill. Make sure to subscribe, review, give us five stars, especially on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. We're on every other platform as well. Connect with us to see all our valuable content just for you at hippodirect.com and all of our social pages with the handle hippodirect. That's hippo like the animal, direct like the word direct. And you can connect with me for my valuable content at Max Brandstetter, B-R-A-N-S-T-E-T-T-E-R. You can listen to that slower. On that content note, we curate all of our favorite creative marketing campaigns from around the web and provide a creative marketing recap just for you every single week. You can get it to your inbox or you can read it on our blog. You can sign up at hippodirect.com newsletter. It's the Hippo Digest. That is all for this week. Until next time, let your business Run wild. Bring on the bongos.